Hey everybody, Aaron Dillon here, Managing Director of AG Dillon & Co. We're a venture capital firm focused on pre-IPO companies and working with individual investors, financial advisors, family offices, and institutional investors. All right, so I got a pre-IPO market update here for you for the week ending 13 January 2023. Today we're going to hit on uh, big company news for the last week, large capital raises for the last week. We got some individual pre-IPO stock company performance, kind of the broader market performance. And then also we'll do a pre-IPO company spotlight with checkout.com. All right, let's get into it today. Okay, so first up, we got uh, some big company news. Discord, uh, this past week, the social media platform for gamers bought Gas, uh, Gas app uh, this week. The valuation was not disclosed. Gas is an app for teens. It focuses on positivity. So teens can complete multiple choice answers on a various canned questions about their friends or schoolmates. The teen can subscribe for $6.99, uh, which gives you hints on how specific people answer the questions. I would definitely be subscribing to see all the nice things that people said about me. Uh, Gas was just launched five months ago, already has 10 million downloads and a million daily users. It's incredible growth. The company has a run rate of 7 million of revenue. And they spent uh, no money on marketing and only a four-person team. Gas's CEO, Nikita Beer, I think I'm pronouncing that right, previously started TBH. And a lot of the, the other four folks did that with him too, I think, uh, which was basically the same thing as Gas. And they sold that to Meta in 2017 for $100 million. Uh, I have Discord at a, a current valuation of $7 billion based on uh, December 2022. Uh, that's with uh, that's based on secondary market trading activity uh, from their last primary financing round. All right, Instacart, uh, this the, it's an online grocery delivery service, announced their 2023 focus for the this week. Um, so this is their plans on what they'll be looking at for the year ahead. Uh, the focus areas include a couple things: one, cross-selling tech to their grocery store partners. Uh, they gave an example where they have an AI-driven grocery cart technology that would guide shoppers to store in the food, which I love because I can never find anything in there. I always have to ask somebody uh, where to go to get something in the, in the store. Um, and also like kind of prompt recipes that the user might look at and then give them those ingredients for that recipe and then take them immediately uh, to those products in the store. So it's really interesting tech. They're trying to cross sell that to their current grocery store partners um, uh, that they already have today. Uh, the, the second thing they have is offering customers alternatives at a lower price point. Obviously, inflation's like, you know, through the roof over the last year, year and a half. So any kind of savings that they can deliver to the customers, I think, drives loyalty to that Instacart uh, product. Cross-selling non-grocery products to existing customer base. Um, so if you think about, you know, a customer comes in and shops uh, with Instacart for groceries, but they're going to Sephora for makeup or whatever it might be, right? They can partner with Sephora and do offer similar type service for kind of non-grocery items. And then lastly is expanding into Canada. They made already in the in Canada, they made good progress on identifying a lot of partners there. And uh, they're continuing to expand that um, uh, that that grocery store partner list as well. So Instacart posted a $10 billion 409A valuation in December of 22. That was down 75% from its last primary financing round. So all the employees' options now get priced at that new options get priced at that level. And then I think it actually primes them for an IPO now that they've kind of reset their valuation there to a more perhaps digestible level for the public markets. 
Okay, and last up, we got Revolut. So Revolut's the European Challenger Bank. It's about to wrap up its last item for a UK bank license. Uh, so in the UK, Revolut is just an e-money institution. It can't uh, offer deposit insurance through the Financial Services Compensation Scheme. It's the FC, FSCS, excuse me. Uh, so in, in in the UK, you can get eighty five thousand pounds of insurance in the uh, in, in if the bank goes belly up. So it's a little bit, it's a lot less than what we have here in the United States at two hundred fifty thousand. Uh, but the bank license would give that uh, that ability to offer deposit insurance to Revolut. So naturally, I think that drives customer adoption and probably brings in bigger account balances too, or bigger customers. Uh, now that you have that deposit insurance. Uh, Starling Bank and Monzo are two other kind of UK-based challenger banks. They both have their bank licenses already. They got started with what's called a restricted license that allows for just deposit accounts. We have that here in the US as well, certainly for credit unions. I believe they have it for kind of like de novo banks too. But the lending approval from the regulators typically comes a year after the initial approval, at least they did for Starling and uh, and Monzo. So Revolut got a hand slap for regulators on their 2020 audit submission. Uh, that's kind of when they started this bank licensing uh, uh, submission process. And that's been kind of the result of a 12-month turnaround for the 2021 financials, which they're trying to submit now to get this the bank application kind of finalized. Um, but Revolut's grown like a weed. They got 25 million customers as of November 2022. That's up from 20 million in July. And they just keep expanding into new geographic regions. So that number could go very, very high. Um, that's And so like just that growth there, 25, you know, 20 to 25, that's 5 million customers or 25% consumer growth, customer growth in just four months time. That's like unbelievable growth. Um, so I have revoluted a $14 billion valuation based on its uh, uh, last uh, on secondary market trading. Okay. All right. So here we have some uh, uh, some of the big raises that happened last week. So again, this is these are the 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 largest companies uh, in the pre-IPO space that have raised capital, right? And I'm identifying those companies here for us. So uh, four of these shops raised over a hundred million dollars, right? So that's Inpal, Chronosphere, Carbon Health, and Oxibacata, which I Oxibacata, I believe I'm pronouncing that right, each. So just want to spotlight two of those. Chronosphere is a cloud monitoring solution that's uh, just totally taking off. And they've raised $228 million Series D with a who's who of a uh, group of investors. You got Google Ventures, General Atlantic, Founders Fund, and Greylock. Um, cloud's a huge growing business. We can see that in the uh, the earnings from Amazon, Google, and Microsoft. It's like constant discussion now about how fast their cloud divisions are growing, uh, and, and how that kind of intermixes with their broader revenue profile. So I think I think we're going to continue to see more companies like Chronosphere kind of pop up, where you're layering in on top of that cloud, helping companies manage it more effectively. It's not cheap uh, to to store this data in the cloud, and naturally, once you get the cloud, it's like unlimited storage space. So you just keep storing more data and it can get really, really expensive fast. So companies like Chronosphere can help you kind of manage that expense and then also help you optimize and uh, and fix any bugs they might have too. So uh, that, so I wanted to highlight those guys. And Ox Bacata uh, pulled in $140 million Series C for its autonomous driving solution for businesses. So these guys will work with a business to automate any transportation needs that they might have. Right. So if you think about, um, you know, you're in a factory and you're moving goods from one part of the factory to another or one building to another building, uh, you know, perhaps in the past, a person was driving that. 
vehicle, but the the idea with Oxbacata here is that they could have an AI uh, train, you know, kind of uh, uh, autonomously drive that some type of vehicle, whether it's a, a proper truck or some kind of like flatbed delivery uh, a vehicle from point A to point B. So it's a, it's a really interesting business. And naturally, autonomous driving, you know, we talked about that a couple of weeks back. I think it's obviously going to, you know, take over, you know, people moving, right, like a taxi would or Uber would. But uh, I think it's going to be, there's going to be probably really interesting applications for for businesses too. Okay. Now let's talk a little bit about performance. For last week, it was not a great week for pre-IPO stocks. They were down 2.23%. And this is the index, the pre-IPO SIM index. With public stocks up for the week, I'll get into a little bit of the attribution of why that was happening. Um, you know, we're uh, we're still waiting for pre-IPO stocks to roll off, kind of the high trading levels that we had in early uh, Q1, Q2 of 2022. So hopefully we'll get through that. We'll start to see a ramp back up here in this year. We'll get, be able to look at some good year-over-year numbers. And then, uh, and then looking at just the individual companies, OpenSea just got crushed last week. Uh, and you know, since and since we're so, so close to the beginning of the quarter where the index rebalanced, um, that's what's really kind of pulling down the broader index. You have one name down twenty percent. That's going to put put the hurt on you for the overall portfolio when it's equally weighted. Uh, but it, it, you know, it's going to be interesting to see if OpenSea can hang on. This stock has just gotten crushed over the last year, and the whole discussion on NFTs, which was like, you know, at least in my circles, was the only thing that people were talking about. For months, quarters, right uh, now, there's just like no discussion about them at all. So uh, it'd be interesting to see if OpenSea can kind of hang on. Uh, you know, they kind of clip revenue off of every NFT transactions. If transactions dry up, you know, there's there's really not a lot of revenue for them. So interesting to see how it plays out for OpenSea and how that kind of impacts the broader pre-IPO market. Okay, and then last, we've got a spotlight on Checkout.com. So these guys offer payment solutions to businesses. It's a UK company with uh, 2,000 employees. Um, they had the valuation. They just did a 409A uh, in, in December uh, of 22. That's just last month. And it had them at $11 billion, which is down 73% from its last primary financing round. So kind of similar to Instacart. They reset deep. So you have to wonder maybe if they're priming uh for a uh an ipo if things get better here in uh in 2023 they did 287 million in revenue in 2021 and uh and I, so i hope to get kind of an updated number here to uh to 2022 revenue number for them uh, now that we're through the end of that year uh, but uh but checkout has got a world-class investor list you can see some of the folks there you know, Insight Partners, uh, Gick, the Sovereign Wealth Fund out of Singapore, DST Global are all early investors in the company. The other notables here, Co2, Tiger, you know, uh, Dragon Air, Franklin, Alternative, those guys are like hedge funds or mutual fund companies, right? So kind of crossover investing, uh, which perhaps which is what drove that valuation so high, uh, you know, that that uh, $40 billion valuation uh, for, for checkout um, before having to pull it back. Okay, and lastly, you know, uh, so so it was tough to get pricing data for these guys, which was interesting. But I could find the transaction-based pricing. They really make money through transaction fees and foreign exchange. They they have fraud money. They just launched, so I anticipate that's going to be a nice like subscription-based business for them. But um, but uh, attractive pricing in Europe at ninety-five bips and twenty cents a swipe. That's pretty good if you know if you know anything about 
acquiring fees for uh, for businesses. And the foreign exchange at a dollar at a buck ninety nine, or excuse me, one point nine nine percent. Uh, is really good. So a lot of folks don't know this, but MasterCard and Visa make a lot of money off of the FX, right? So it looks like that's what these folks are doing here at checkout. They're kind of managing that FX spend and uh, and that can be pretty lucrative. So, um, all right. So we'll stop there. So thanks for joining today. If, uh, if you need any more research, uh, any more pre-IPO research, or if you want to look at our diversified pre-IPO stock uh, venture capital fund, which is 15 pre-IPO uh, uh, names uh, equally weighted, visit uh, agdillon.com. And we also are standing up uh, SpaceX SPV, a, a kind of a single company fund uh, just into SpaceX. So if you have an interest in that, look at that fund page at uh, agdillon.com slash SpaceX. Thanks. And I'll talk to you all next week. Thank you.